Welcome to Nerds of the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. I'm Dwayne. And I'm Sammy. And we are in a new year, a new schedule, a new pattern. And we're not doing Star Wars every week. Um, we are doing our year of randomness. I'm not sure what the... We, we, should, we should workshop a title. But uh, <laughs> this, is, uh, this episode is a Sammy pick. Um, yeah. Sammy made us watch a movie. Yes, Sammy, I did. What did you make us watch? Well, uh, for my first pick, I chose Sherlock Holmes. Now, we're not talking about classic Holmes. We're talking about Guy Ritchie, um, Robert Downey Jr., Jude Law, that kind of Sherlock Holmes. And Rachel McAdams. So we have Iron Man, the guy from Captain Marvel, and Doctor Strange's girlfriend. And Doctor Savannah from Shazam. Yep, yes, we do. Shazam. Yeah, I forgot about him. <laughs> so, yeah, this being a... Uh, or Sinestro, or... Let's <laughs> uh, head about that in a minute. <laughs> the quartermaster from uh, Kingsman? <laughs> well, let me was... just say, there's a lot of, of famous faces in this movie, a lot of great actors. Right. But is this really a great movie, guys? Yes. <laughs> let's let's get let's get into it. let's give out some grades uh, we'll talk about it yeah we'll get into it i've i've got thoughts too i i, I can't answer it definitively as Sammy did. Uh, um, okay uh Dwayne, um do you want to wait because I've, I've got a feeling where you're going do you want to wait and let uh, sammy yeah, have a happy I'm, time I'm, I'm, let's let's have sammy have his happy time <laughs> Okay, Sammy, what's your, what's your greatest thoughts? <laughs> All right. So, you know, I came to this movie as a fan of Sherlock Holmes, okay? I grew up watching the old Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce, Black and Whites. Um, you know, that Sherlock Holmes was just something, even to the point that I was going to be a forensic scientist just because I love Sherlock Holmes so much. That's what I was going to do with my life. Uh, obviously, it didn't go that way, but, uh, you know. But uh, when I came into this movie, it was very different. It wasn't what I was expecting, but it very quickly kind of grew on me, both this one and the sequel. And I was just like, you know, I kind of like it. Uh, and just because I like it so much, I was excited in my research to find that there is a possibility for a third movie coming out in December of next year. The mm -hmm. Further Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. So uh, if I'm going grade, I'm going A. This was an A for me. All right. Well, let's, All right. Uh, <laughs> let's, uh, so let, let me close this out, Dwayne. Dwayne, what, what, okay. what was yours? Well, now, uh, I uh, also have fond memories of older adaptations of Sherlock Holmes. I do remember the black and white also. I remember the, the TV movies. There was a, a series of TV movies over a few years in the early mid-80s. Um, I remember the novels. I loved the novels. I had a book that had, had them all collected together, a big old white uh, hardback. So, And for some reason, this had always flown under my radar. Uh, love Robert Downey Jr., love Jude Law. But this had always flown under my radar. It was never one of those things that came up. I'm going to give this thing a C minus. 
Ooh. after my watch. Um, I'm not going to say D, don't watch. I, I can't say it's above average. Uh, I'm, I'm giving it a C minus. I really had a hard time with this stuff. And I will tell you, the first step of that was I had kind of forgotten from our discussion that it was a Guy Ritchie movie. Right. So I, I'm coming at these things as more of a, okay, you know, Robert Downey Jr. is kind of eccentric. You know, I expect him to be weird. Jude Law's really dedicated, devoted actor. I'm really expecting full commitment from him. You know, Rachel McAdams is, is very great and adaptable. Uh, you know, Mark Strong, solid guy. But I just was really thrown by the the portrayal of the action. And, and this is complete Guy Ritchie. Once I understood that it was Guy Ritchie, <laughs> um, I, I'd take a look at that and, and talk to some people. Like, listen, is this this really what what it is? You know, and and I, so I kind of got into it a little bit more. And it wasn't, you know, and and by this time Rachel McAdams' character was introduced, and I was able to kind of get into it a little bit more. It, it kind of opened up, but yeah, it's it's not something I'm going to choose to watch the sequel to, or maybe even the third part in the future, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm going C minus. C minus. That's worse than I expected. Um, so my, see, here's my thing. Um, I'm not a Guy Ritchie fanboy. Like I don't, I don't, I haven't seen every Guy Ritchie movie. I don't like find it's a new one coming out and go crazy and have to go watch it. But whenever I happen across a Guy Ritchie movie, I always have a great time, even when they're not great movies. The King Arthur movie that came out last year. Not a great movie. I still found it highly entertaining. They're like like, they're like, the, like the best music park rides ever. I just I'll, I enjoy them the whole time I'm on them. May not think much much about them after they're over, but like, I have a great time with them. And so this is another one of those great rides. I just have a great time while this movie's on. I mean, I, I don't really think about like wanting to watch it again. I don't like. I never bought a copy, but like. You picked it. I was like, all right, let's watch this thing. And I watched it. Like, I had a great time. It's just incredibly entertaining. It's got a great cast. Um, everybody's giving great performances. Um, Mark Strong is just such an amazing presence. He's probably like the lesser known uh, member of the cast, but like, mm -hmm. he's just such a presence on screen, you know? Definitely. Um, it's dynamically shot. There's Guy Ritchie just all over the place. It's, it's, it's so much fun. Um, so, Dwayne, I'm going to shock you. I'm going A-. minus. All right. It's just okay. a blast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yep. have any deep thoughts. It's just a good time. Yeah, and I guess that's one of the things, you know, being familiar with the Sherlock novels and some of the older things, they really, you know, make you think. They really pull you into, you know, the mindsets of these guys. I just could not get into, uh, you know, Robert Downey Jr. was kind of a, was kind of a, you know, a psychopath, essentially, you know, just kind of all in his own world. But he was absolutely and utterly in love with Watson. You know, Watson's just this guy trying to have some form of normalcy, get, it, get himself together. You know, but he was still so cold and standoffish. I just could not get into them. Have you ever watched any of the Benedict Cumberbatch Sherlock? I have not. I've heard okay. great things, but uh, but uh, you know, being a cord cutter and not having you know access to some of the BBC things, um, I've, that's one thing I've not gotten into is is the Cumberbatch. Okay. I think that can be streamed somewhere. 
Is it on Netflix or Prime or something? It was at one point. I'm yeah. not. I've not looked in a while. So I've not noticed it on either. Which of course it hadn't been anything that I had really sought out. You know. Also, mm-hmm. but yeah, I hadn't noticed it those places. Yeah. The the way I, I compare these is like the Sherlock Holmes, the Guy Ritchie version. They updated everything, made it a modern movie, but left it in Victorian England. <laughs> and so True. for Sherlock, they move it to the modern time, but left the characters Victorian characters. And so like. Right. Yeah. Okay. So well, Cumberbatch really, really does feel like Sherlock from the books, whereas this one doesn't at all. But yeah, right. yeah, this one did. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's it. Uh, he just didn't feel like Sherlock. Yeah, he just didn't feel like that intellectual, you know, uh, Victorian gentleman. See, but for me, I, th- I think that helped me because I grew up with the Arthur Cornell, Cornell, however you say his name, um, Sir Doyle. Um, <laughs> I, I, I grew up with those books, and I'm kind of a snob about it. I mean, if you don't like do it like perfect, like I'm gonna pick it apart all the little details. Whereas right. if you just like start fresh with like a guy who kind of feels like Sherlock or plays a Sherlock kind of character, but like a completely different guy. Like I buy it easier. I'm not comparing as much. Okay. Right. So I think I think it works for him for me for me for him to be so radically different. You can see that. Okay. All right. Uh, want to get want to fan out? Let's do it. Let's fan and pan. Wayne, do you have any? Kirkcon 2020, Marshall University's premier pop culture convention enters its sophomore year. March 14th, 2020. Come out and experience fandom, herb style, video games, comics, toys, cosplay, food vendors, and much more. At Marshall University, March 14th, 2020. Find us on Facebook or Google. Kirkcon 2020 for more info. Um, I do. I do have, <laughs> I do have some. some yeah, so, uh, all right. Yeah, so, uh, well, uh, Sam, this was your pick. Why don't you lead us off? <laughs> all right. So, uh, as we're going into fans, you know, I have to say, one of the first things that struck me was the way that Guy Ritchie portrays Sherlock's deductive reasoning especially when he's fighting. You know, we don't think about Sherlock as a physical character. Uh, In the books, it's more the intellectual. So this mix of physicality and intellectualism in Sherlock uh, combines in the way, I think, that that Richie wanted to do this. You know, it gets this balance between the two. So for him to analyze every piece, and, and you hear it in his head, all right, hit the left ear, you know, hit the knee, solar plexus you know and then he does it and and so it it, i mean literally telegraphs the move but uh but that was my first thing that like i said from the moment i saw it i thought you know wow that that's an insight into the mind of this version of sherlock holmes and to me that was really interesting yeah i I agree i I really like that too i I mean it's the way i take a thing a sense that's completely internal Mm -hmm. and, and showing it to us externally I mean, it's a, it's a good way to adapt a, a prose, you know, idea into a visual idea. I, I really like that too. Well, it and almost I, becomes internal monologue. You know, it's his internal monologue, and so to highlight that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> a a fan that I have is uh, you know, I do like the way the action. I I am a fan of the way the action was portrayed. Not necessarily that part, and I'll come to that later. But, uh, you know, it, it is a very physically fun movie. And just like Jamie said earlier, you know, it's the guy Richie all over the place. <laughs> it's just, it's just so much 
action and and the the pacing. It's it's you know it's it's relatively quick as far as you know those things that happen. Well, yeah, and he's not. I mean, it's not like a like Shaun of the Dead or or you know, Edgar. There's, there's quick cuts. It's a different style of quick cuts though. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it doesn't always really compelling. Like it just draw. Maybe not for Dwayne apparently, <laughs> <laughs> but but for me it draws my eye and holds. Like even from like when it goes from the opening um, title title screen and mm-hmm. then goes through into the the way the camera follows through that gate and then follows the carriage. It's just, I find it visually compelling. I, I can't look away from Guy Ritchie action. Well, you know, and, and with Guy Ritchie, I mean, you get this mix of, of comedy with your, your action. And I like that. And I think Downey Jr. plays that aspect of that Guy Ritchie-ness well. E- even the, the little kind of interaction with the, the big thug. You know, speaking French. You know, hold on, give me just a moment. You know, <laughs> so. but that is one of the things I like about Guy Ritchie. He'll he'll blend that. Like, there's always like a, a goofiness. Yes. To like Guy Ritchie stuff, but there's also there's this intensity to it too, and it's a kind of a, a real skill to be able to balance the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, a fan that I have, I don't know if you guys noticed this. I love the um, the the set designs and things. How you have the Victorian. And, you know, kind of coming into the technological and how, you know, you have the industrial coming into this, uh, you know, genteel almost, uh, you know, society and how they used the, the technology to make the, the, the quote unquote magic happen. You know, uh, that was really cool. You know, the machine, but it was all magic. But everything you find out was machines and they have the, the pistol up the sleeve on the mechanism and, and yeah. you know, just a lot of little neat touches like that uh, is what is one of the things that really in, made me enjoy this. Well, um, my, my biggest one, um, I think the thing that makes the movie completely work for me and that lifts it from just another fun movie to like a really kind of special action movie for me is the, is the connection between Jude Law and Robert Downey Jr. They just play so well off of each other. And... I mean, and they're so they're so good with each other that you completely believe the relationship. Like, there's not a lot of setup; they just start doing stuff together. And yeah. I believe that they've been friends for years, and they said they've been living together. I believe it. Um, every, I mean, even when they argue, they argue like like old like like an old couple. Like they've been together forever. <laughs> I mean, they, they just they even they even argue entertaining. Them. Um, but they also there's also a contrast, you know. You know, Jude Law as Watson is this really kind of buttoned up, put together, well organized. You know, his life's you know on the right tracks kind of guy. But also, he's probably the kind of guy that would have a friend like Sherlock Holmes, who's an ab- who's absolute chaos in every you know avenue of his life. And I just they play so well together. I just I love that about this movie. And I and I will sign up for a third one. <laughs> yeah, their their uh, interaction was very natural, very uh, very pure. Um, one of the things that is one of the things that threw me off a little bit because I was expecting this being the first movie, and I know of a duology so far, possibly a, a trilogy, is that you know they already had a long history with each other. You know, whereas in the novels they meet, you know, uh, I think even a couple books in, if I'm not mistaken, you know, it's not a already an established relationship with, with Holmes and Watson, even though it's very famous, but, um, you know, no, that, when they the very, already the had the relationship. Meeting. Yeah. Seti and Scarlet is the, is first yeah. meeting and sets everything up. 
you know, so I, they, they did do that differently here. Yeah. yeah, I totally have to agree with Jamie. That was one of my fans also. It was just that chemistry between Downey Jr. and Jude Law was just so good. I mean, they they did. They played well off. And this is a quintessential part of any Sherlock Holmes movie. You have to have Holmes and Watson playing well. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the reason that I think that this works is because these are two veteran actors. These are two very well-versed actors, and they play it well with one another. They respect each other. They trust each other. And that came across, I think, in their characterizations. Right. And I mean, even, uh, you know, Rachel McAdams and, and Downey Jr. had a very uh, intense chemistry on set. I felt, uh, you know, a, a very definite history with them and, and how they were both battling that. And, you know, even with, uh, you know, Blackwood and, and Downey Jr. and the Constable, you know, you feel like this is a completed universe. You mm-hmm. really do. That, that The chemistry between all of these actors was great, I thought. Agreed. Um, I want to piggyback on one from earlier um, about, about the action. Um, I just think it's frenetic. I mean, it's, it's exhilarating. You know, I, I feel like I'm a little bit tired after the after Danny's been running. Like I feel like I've been running too. You know, and um, but I, I did want to highlight one thing that I, I don't, apparently Dwayne didn't like at all. Um, shaky cam can kind of annoy me a lot of the times. Like it feel, I, I feel like you know you're just covering up the fact that your actor can't do the action. Um, like if you shake the camera hard enough, we can't tell that they don't know what they're doing. Um, but with this one, because but like he would show Downey doing the things in incredible slow motion, we could see exactly you know he was going to hit that guy in the knee and how he was going to do it. He was going to hit him in the throat. He's going to you know cuff his ear. We saw him do it perfectly in slow motion, and then we saw it in that frenetic, crazy, fast touch, right. you know, shaky cam. It made it really compelling. It made it even more exciting. It made, it made me like shaky cam. I normally hate shaky cam. <laughs> so um, I, there was the contrast of the incredible slow motion and then the frenetic. I mean, it's just the combination of the two, which I thought was just great. Yeah. Even if it annoyed me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any more fans? I know Dwayne's done. What about you, Sammy? Um, well, I have one more. I have one I more. I'll, I'll, jump in. I'll jump in with one more before I turn <laughs> Sammy loose, but this will be my last one. Um, I, I really felt the music mm-hmm. um, added, you know, suspense and, uh, you know, even comedy at times. Uh, the, the score was, was very apt, and it felt kind of, uh, you know, very in with the Victorian times that we were in. So I really enjoyed the music. Yeah, score. I think that 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 little tone that they play to me is is very connected to this movie. I think you know, anytime I hear that that just that little tone, you know, I I don't know if you know, Dwayne, you could probably you know speak to this a little bit more, but you know, sometimes it almost sounds like a stringed instrument that they're using. Mm-hmm. Other times it sounds a little bit different, and I don't know if that's just a difference in tonality or something between whatever the, you know, the, the composer chose. Yeah. I think it's uh, the same motif played by different instruments. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's kind of the same little melody played by different instruments. Uh, John Williams does that a lot to, uh, you know, denote vulnerability or strength, yeah. you know, victory and whatnot. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of the same motif echoed through different instruments. Yeah. And that's the word I was trying to think of motif. So I, I knew I had a music term somewhere in the back of my head. So I'm glad you pulled that out. But yeah, that, that's that little motif definitely fit. 
And when I still, when it was playing the movie and it played, I was like, oh yeah, I remember that. That's what I, I connect to this movie. So, uh, so I've got one more fan. Um, and to me, it's just the pace of the movie. You know, I know that, uh, off air, I'd talked to Dwayne at one point and he just said the first 30 minutes, he felt moved a little slow. Uh, I don't know if you feel, still feel that way, sir, now that you've watched it a couple times, uh, but, you know, I think we need that deliberate, carefully staged kind of rising action as we build the suspense, as we build the intrigue. Because really what you've got to, got to think here, Sherlock's not really solving a case. He already knows who did it. He's just figuring out how. You know, in most of the stories, it's Holmes is figuring out who did it. It's a classic, you know, detective whodunit type of thing. We already know who done it. It's just how. And so it's a very different kind of twist. And to me, that's Richie developing, once again, his version of Holmes and Watson. Well, I think he's good at that. Like, even in, like, like I said, some of the movies that aren't as great, they have those moments where you can slow down and relax and stop mm-hmm. and ponder and think and let, let, let the plot sort of settle in on you. He's, he's good at that. Yeah. Um, uh, the last fan I have is just the humor of the movie. This is a funny movie. Yeah. Um, like the, the scene with the French giant. You know, and I, I, that was so funny, you know, and then whoever thought it was funny to talk about the ginger midget. <laughs> I, I want to go back and count how many times. I, I don't know if it was Downey or Guy Ritchie. Somebody loved having him say the phrase ginger midget. Ginger I bet midget. he says it two dozen times. Well, even, even playing up the dog, you know, yeah. oh, no, you killed him again. He doesn't mind. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys, I think we're done fanning. Um, All right. Now, Dwayne has more to say. Okay, as we come back with our pans uh, rattling here, uh, the <laughs> now I know you spoke about the the action where he is telling, you know, he's telling himself. No, you can't, you can't, this is not a pan. You can't do this. (laughs) Hear me me out. No. Hear me out. Hear me out. It it took me out. I loved him saying, you know, get the knee, get him in the ear. And 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 he even says it'll have this effect. It'll have this effect. It'll have that effect. I wish they would have just continued that on and let that be him doing it, that analytic, analysis in the moment you know and instead of really super slow motion showing exactly and it shows exactly what and it speeds it up that is one of the things it was cool but it <laughs> took me out of it that back and forth there that that really took me out of it. that was that was a, a pan that i had i know you guys both loved it it was really cool when i seen it and then he went back and did it in real time and i was like oh he was just standing there hiding thinking that in a big hurry to get into this room. (laughs) This is the most wrong you've been since you said Valerian was a good movie. (laughs) You're panning one of my favorite things in this movie. (laughs) Jeez. But that's the fun part of this. I I remember when this happens. And that was one of those first few things that I saw that kind of took me out of it. And I was like, it, I was like, okay, he's running through this thing. It's really frenetic. It's awesome. It's let's go in here. It's, it's adventure and action's already starting. Okay, he sees what he's going to do. 
<laughs> doing it. Oh no, he wasn't doing it. He was talking. He was thinking about doing it. Now he's doing it. You know. <laughs> You're not gonna be right by saying more things. <laughs> You're wrong. Oh, geez. Right. I'll, I'll, I'll go next. Um, this is a probably one that Sammy's not going to like. Um, go for it. I thought when they unraveled the plot at the end, it was a little too neat and tidy. And it kind of annoyed me. Yeah. Like, and I was like, yeah, the odds of that being the plot and it actually working, <laughs> there's no chance. Yeah. Like, that could not strange. have happened. Yeah, I was like, no, maybe we should have thought about that a little harder. But, <laughs> but yeah, there was so much action to do, Jamie. That's right. <laughs> you had so much things to think about and then do them. Yeah, there was a little <laughs> bit of eye rolling during the you know, <laughs> unpack and all that. It, it kind of, I mean, like, I really, this is a Guy Ritchie movie, so I was just, I was all in, right? I mean, you don't get knocked out of a Guy Ritchie movie. I don't. Sorry. <laughs> Dwayne does. I don't. Um, <laughs> I, I come up for air when they're over. Um, but I kind of got pulled out of the movie when he starts explaining stuff. I started thinking yeah. it through. I'm like, mm, no, 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 that wouldn't work. That's not, no. <laughs> you had six screenwriters. You couldn't do better than that. <laughs> well, you know, like I said, I think what this comes down to is, you know, Sherlock does not have to solve who did this. So they're having to come up with an interesting way for him to figure out, I guess, the minutia of how it happened. And, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I think sometimes it can get a little far-fetched. I mean, you, you've got to uh, kind of suspend any kind of realistic science or anything along those lines with this. <laughs> oh, you walked in, you thought it was raining, but it was actually this solvent that I placed <laughs> on you. So, you know, it's not raining anywhere else, but right here at the front of your building, huh? <laughs> yeah. It was a little that much. Kind of yeah, I mean, I'll admit yeah. that. I mean, like I said, I just gave it an A. I didn't give it like an A plus or anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Sammy, what, what you got? What's your first pan? All right. I actually only have one big pan for this movie. So I, I'm going to go ahead and, and flip this pancake and uh, kind of go and throw it out. You know, one of the biggest things, you know, as I said, I love Sherlock Holmes. I came into this movie knowing who these characters are. But the fact that we got dropped in the middle, and even though all of us were like, oh, yeah, you can tell they've had this relationship, I started thinking, what about a moviegoer who maybe doesn't have that background? Mm -hmm. Are they going to be able to understand all the little cues between Watson and Holmes and Irene Adler and Holmes and, mm -hmm. and even Lestrade? You know, getting the, those jabs back and forth between Sherlock and Lestrade, you know, would give more context to his betrayal and make it even more convincing if we understood that this is a pattern, that Sherlock is constantly belittling this guy, you know, yeah. this kind of thing. And, and so to me, that's my biggest pan is I don't know how user friendly this movie is for somebody coming in who doesn't have some background with Sherlock Holmes. Well, that's apparently a really it's a it is a good point, but apparently it's a Guy Ritchie movie, so you just need the action. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but if you think about it, like, even like, I, it didn't dawn on me because, like I said, we're all Doyle fans, and so we, yeah. I mean, we're, we're in it, you know. So, like, even like his relationship with Scotland Yard is strange, yeah. and they never explain it in this movie, and we all roll with it because we've read the stories. We know he's a consulting detective. Yeah, that's it. 
he's out he's outside the law, but he works with the law, and he's but there's all these little you know comments he makes, uh, and that probably I don't know how they would make sense if you've never read any Doyle. Right. That's, yeah. that's true. I hadn't thought about that. You yeah. Know, not uh, you know, someone not familiar with at least the Holmes uh, Watson dynamic there with, yeah. with all that. Yeah. Yeah, that's really uh, one thing that really took me out of the movie every time that he done it was uh, I know Sherlock is a violinist, not mm-hmm. a very good not violinist. A good one, yes. <laughs> for him just to sit there and pluck the strings pluck. randomly <laughs> really <laughs> bothers me because I'm you know this guy is so meticulous and so great at everything else, at least not to try to do it properly and have at least a you know, a, an inkling of, if not talent, you know, some success at it, you know, with, with the bow properly, I guess, you know, he's just sitting there plucking it like, okay, how does this thing work? Is it a ukulele? Is it a, a banjo? <laughs> you know, and, and he's just plucking it randomly. Like, okay, this is a complete disrespect, you know, for the instrument from a guy who is so meticulous, you know, and so much attention to detail in every other area. So was that a chromatic scale, though? <laughs> I, <laughs> I honestly, I honestly blocked out every time he had a. Because <laughs> remember when he played the chromatic scale, the flies flew in a particular formation when he played a chromatic scale. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to go back and look at it. If I'm not mistaken, it, it actually was a chromatic. I don't know that it was in tune properly. <laughs> he did have the correct finger, you know, a chromatic for anyone who uh, who's not musically uh, versed uh, in a bit. Uh, chromatic is just straight up the notes, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, you know, but including every flat and sharp in between. So you play every note from A to A. So if you're playing an A chromatic scale, you play every note between A and A. You know, A, A sharp, uh, B, C, C sharp, D, E flat, F, and F sharp, G. Yeah. And then back to yeah, Dwayne's going to come back and play it for real because he just thought about it. That was his, that was his internal monologue. So now we'll. <laughs> oh no! Well, well He's I meant to give know, something. Well, I didn't know anything about any of that. Um, but so I'm just going to move on because I've got nothing to contribute to that discussion. <laughs> um, so my 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 next pan is a combination of a complaint and a and a question. So it, this may just be a me thing. And I wanted to know what you guys thought about it. So the Holmes Adler relationship. I can't quite put my finger on it. Something bugged me about it. Um, it's a big departure from the stories. Yeah. Um, and I think that maybe I'm just being a Doyle snob. <laughs> and, and I'm just annoyed that they changed that so much. Um, something about it, I mean, it just it didn't sit right with me. And it's not Rachel McAdams. She's great. Downey's great. They have chemistry. It, I mean, as far as that goes, it works. But just something about that dynamic didn't sit right with me. I was wondering if, if it hit you all that way, too. Okay, there you go. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, I agree. And as we get into awards, I will kind of go a little bit deeper into that. But I do agree with you there. Ben, okay. This is not the only time we see this relationship tweaked in 
in different types of, of versions aside from the original Doyle stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the one you're referring to bothered me less than this one. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, any more, any more pains? I'm good. I'm good. I've got one last little one then. Okay. Um, so Holmes Ryder, people who have, who have messed around with Holmes after Doyle's um, era has been over, they kind of want to do something with magic and Sherlock Holmes. And they, they either want to have him deal with something supernatural or have it be faked like this one. And I don't love it. It just feels right. like, like it's a you know, square, peg, square, square peg in a round hole. Like Sherlock Holmes and magic don't go together. And uh, and I kind of wish they'd either like, okay, we're completely departing. We're doing something completely strange, different. Like, it's going to be magic this time. It really is going to be magic. Or just don't fool with magic. I mean, I, I don't know. It just, I, I didn't love that magic was so important. And I just, this is your first crack at, a, at your Sherlock Holmes, you know, um, film franchise here. I don't fool with the magic. You know, I, I don't know. I, I just, I don't, I don't love magic with Sherlock Holmes. Either go crazy with it or don't fool with it. Jamie, have you ever read the comic series Victorian Undead? No. It mixes homes with vampires. So <laughs> it's called Victorian Undead. It was a oh. wild it was a wildstorm book right before it came over where DC kind of uh, okay. brought all that in. But uh, but there's a couple there's two different volumes of it. So it's interesting. Okay. So. <laughs> Sounds like a neat mashup. Now, now Holmes, you know, didn't deal with the uh, the magic a lot, but now there there was a few stories with a hint of magic. If if, if it serves me correct, through, throughout this, the Conan Doyle books, weren't there? There was always supernat- it was some supernatural. Yeah, a few but... supernatural things, not a lot. But he always debunked it. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah there was. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. I just. Well, that was know. this. You know, it wasn't magic. It was you know technology. You know, he everything was yeah. you know, explained technology. That's what I'm saying. Like, either have like a murder mystery, or I, I don't know something about like not. I, I felt like they wanted it to be magic, and they yeah. really wanted Sherlock to have to deal with magic, but they couldn't didn't have the guts to go through it at the end or something. I don't know. Okay. It just yeah, yeah. I, I don't see. know. Pick no, one. <laughs> go crazy <laughs> with it. Have him fight Cthulhu or something, or <laughs> let's, let's not. <laughs> you know. All right, let's do some awards. Y'all ready? Let's go for let's it. Let's do some awards. Graphically Novel. Three brothers tackle a different graphic novel each week. Listen as the brothers Fugit discuss classic and not-so-classic graphic novels. Subscribe now on your podcast feed of choice. Graphically Novel. Three brothers who like each other but love comics. All right, Dwayne, best performance. Did you like any of them? I, I did. I liked quite a few of their performances. I didn't just wasn't a big fan of the movie. And uh, one of the, one of my favorite performances. I mean, Robert Downey Jr. did dedicate. Uh, he was uh, kind of a a weird Tony Starkish character uh, coming off of the heels of uh, Iron Man and the uh, the Hulk there. But uh, he he really turned in a, a a devoted performance. I mean, he he tried he tried for the accent. He went he done a lot of physicality. He uh, you know, uh, really portrayed just this insanely intelligent 
absorbed person. Yeah, so that he's he's going to be my best All performance. Right. All right. Sammy, here you go. Uh, I think my best performance, I think it has to go to Mark Strong as Lord Blackwell. Um, Strong plays Menace so well. His voice is made for it. Uh, so I think, you know, I think Jamie, you alluded to just, he just, is just so phenomenal when he's on the screen and, and plays this character totally, you know, a, a, as straight as possible. And it just works perfectly for me. So, uh, my best performance definitely would go to Mark Strong. Okay. Those were the two I was wrestling between. And if, if either one had been left out, I was going to pick that one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know who to pick. Um, since you all picked those two, I want I want to highlight Jude Law then, because everybody's great in this movie, and I, I don't love because I don't love how they did the Adler storyline here. But even Rachel McAdams is really good in this movie. But mm-hmm. but Jude Law having to be the straight man in this movie, but also have fun with it. Like he's not like like completely staid about it, but he's just the perfect contrast to Downey in this movie. Yeah. And um, I mean. One of my favorite little moments in the movie is when they're fighting about the waistcoat in the carriage. <laughs> and then Jude Law grabs it and throws it out the window and then kind of gives him that little smile. I'm like, it's just this, it's just a fun little moment that, I mean, I don't know how, I mean, what actress couldn't pull that off? And he did, you know, and you believe Very it. Very true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, best scene. Sammy, what you got? Uh, best scene for me is, you know, we've been talking about the mix of action and humor, and I love the fight with Holmes and Watson and the three thugs at Reardon's flat, the ginger midget. Uh, so <laughs> when Holmes goes, meat or potatoes, I laugh so much every time. I love that scene. Uh, um, I'm going to go with the opening scene. Um from the, the carriage ride in to, um, you know, the way Holmes is sneaking in, forgot his pistol, uh, <laughs> takes out the guy on the stairs, the fight with uh, with Blackwood and the whole crew there, when, when he breaks the little glass blade. I mean, just that whole scene. And it's such a perfect setup. Like, you, once that scene is over, you know what movie you're in. Yes. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to echo what Jamie said. I really enjoyed the opening raid. Uh you know, having struggled with the movie, I really did enjoy that raid, uh, especially when uh, Holmes and Watson come together um, in the, uh, the the dungeon, I guess, right before they go and, and take out uh, Blackwood before he uh, kills the young lady there and uh, all that action. And then you see him, like you said, he breaks the glass plate and Watson says, I didn't even see it. You know, how did I not see that? And he said, you know, I was looking for it. Or he said, how did you see that? He said, I was looking for it. You know, and it just gives you where their mindsets are. So you just said, like, you thought it got boring after that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, it, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so our next award is uh, best character. And um, I know we're all supposed to say Sherlock, but I love Watson. I do. And it's not just Jude Law's performance. I love that character. And I love that he's like this little island of sanity in a world of chaos. And so I just, (laughs) I love Watson. Yeah, Yeah, I I definitely have to go with that also. So uh, Dr. Watson, you know, 
as you know, Jude Law brings it, because I was so used to Nigel Bruce, this tottering old man, Red Holmes, you know, kind of deal, you know, in unlike I said, those old black and whites, and to have a younger man play this and to to play up the friendship a little bit more, you know, to me Jude Law was just perfect. Uh, I think this version to me is a little bit closer to what I imagine Doyle's character to be, to be quite mm-hmm. honest, uh, more yeah. so than, like I said, the the really older, tottering gentleman uh, that we get in some movies. Well, yeah, Doyle is very clear that Watson's a war hero. I mean, yes. he's a, a vigorous man. Um, yeah, but also I, I like this movie, Watson's less of a sidekick than, yeah. than, he, than he can tend to be in a lot of home stories. Yeah. yeah. He's in yeah, definitely he in the show. Yeah. Uh, Dwayne, who did you have? Um, the French giant. Weird. <laughs> 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 just, just the interaction of him just overwhelming Holmes uh, as he's, you know, trying to fight him. And, and just that little, I guess, you know, on foot fight chase. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. That was, uh, I mean, yeah, there, there were some, there was some humor in the reports of this movie that I cracked up, but that was definitely one of the best. And I'm like, okay, this guy's, this guy's just something else. <laughs> I, I like, I like especially the scene where like uh, the fighting with the hammers and Holmes throws the little hammer and it bounces off his chest. Bounces off his chest, <laughs> yeah. It's a great little moment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, best quote. I, I kind of struggled with that. Have y'all got any good ones? Uh. My best quote was when Sherlock was first talking to Irene Adler and she was questioning him about why he doesn't trust her. And he says, should I answer chronologically or alphabetically? (laughs) (laughs) I like that. (laughs) That is funny. That was on my short list. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I went with the um, the scene where um, I just for I blanked on her name. The lady that actually owns the Baker Street houses, uh, the landlady. So she's like, you know, you do something about him. And so, you know, Watson goes up to the rooms and he's been, you know, shooting the wall and he's clearly intoxicated on something. Who knows what? You know, we, you hear the stories. <laughs> we all know he's got some issues. Right. Um, and so. Down is rolling around the floor and he yells, my mind rebels at stagnation. Give me problems. Give me work. I, just, <laughs> I, I love that. I get a kick out of that. So I, I went with that one. Okay. Well, uh, every time they uh, they referred to the dog, something had happened to the dog. <laughs> he's, he's seen worse. He actually likes it, you know. <laughs> I love those. Yeah. And it just makes me think of so many situations, you know, you, someone could, could come into, you know, something. You know, he's seen worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mrs. Hudson, Jamie. <laughs> yeah. It, it popped in my head just now. Mrs. Hudson. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. So for our um, movie-specific uh, awards, we're going to um, – I'm glad I was, it was fun. I was, I mean, I didn't know who all had really loved the Doyle stories on here. So that's, I'm glad we've all got a background here. So, so the first one is best adaptation from Doyle. Yes. Um, I'm wondering if 
Dwayne had any. I've been giving I, him a hard time, but I really am curious about this one. I do have a, I do have a, <laughs> and, 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 you know, of, of course, with me not watching the, the Benedict Cumberbatch uh, Sherlock and not being a fan of this one, you know, two of the most recent, uh, you know, you're thinking, where am I going to have any Sherlock fandom? But, you know, I remember one of my fondest memories from childhood is the uh, the Hounds of Baskerville uh, TV uh, movie adaptation. Uh, I, I loved those old made-for-TV movies. And the Hounds of Baskerville is probably one of my favorite stories okay. of Sherlock. So so that's mine. Would you like to see that maybe be the basis for the third movie? Yeah, yeah I would totally love to see an adaptation of that. Yeah, yeah a modern, that'd be cool. modern cut of that. Can Guy Ritchie direct it? <laughs> uh, now that I know that he's directing and, uh, the characters, I, might, I might watch it on Netflix alright well okay well um, Dwayne you went, a, you went a different direction with this award than I thought we were going to go so um, I'm, I'm curious now if, how Sammy took this what was your best adaptation all right. So, you know, one of the things that we've talked about, especially with with Robert Downey Jr., is he is a very different version of Sherlock Holmes than we're used to. You know, if you look at the books versus, you know, Downey Jr. versus Cumberbatch versus Johnny Lee Miller in element in the TV show Elementary, they're very different versions of Sherlock Holmes. But the one thing that they all have and Downey Jr. comes at this in spades he is the smartest person in the room, and Downey Jr. plays that confidence well. He played it well as Tony Stark. He plays it well as Holmes, as I know more than anybody here, and I will be upfront and sometimes be a bit smug about that. So, you know, I Good think story. that fits very much with with the Holmes from the Doyle series, also. Okay. Well, I'm to go Dwayne's route on this. My my favorite adaptation from Doyle is the Sherlock TV show. Um, there's a couple episodes I don't like, um, but overall, I love the way they adapted that for the modern setting. Um, love that show. But to go the Sammy routes, my favorite thing in this movie that was adapted um, was the undignified version of Sherlock Holmes, because normally he's you know really sort of dignified and. Um, you know, proper and all that kind of jazz. And there, there's none of that in Downey. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to the point when, uh, when Jude Law tells him to put on a jacket, he says, you put on a jacket. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean. That's like such a, like a third grade comeback. <laughs> you know, go to your room. You go to your room. <laughs> yeah. so, but, I, but I feel like that really works to have this undignified Sherlock Holmes, you know. I don't yeah. know that we've seen it the same way before, and it really worked for this movie. Um, I mean, of course, you could say that's a Guy Ritchie thing, and it's like all of his movies get dragged through the gutter. I mean, <laughs> some might not have a gutter Sherlock Holmes. But, um, okay, so worst adaptation. Um, and so for, for this movie specifically, um, I think i got to go with the Adler angle. I know I've already harped on that a little bit, but I just – something about it doesn't sit right with me. And it's not Rachel McAdams. She's great. She's great in the role. I don't like the way that fits. Um, it fits in the, the plot of the story. I don't like the way it fits with Downey. Um, not, not the character. Not the interplay between the characters. The way it fits with his character. I don't know. Something about it bugs me, and I can't quite put my finger on it. But it doesn't work for me. Yeah. Yeah. Sammy? Um, you know, for me, I think I fall to Irene Adler also. 
Um, you know, I think it's a, a, a trap of every version, modern version of Holmes that I've seen is they really work up this relationship between Sherlock and Irene. They did it in elementary. They did it in Sherlock. They did it here. And the thing is, she only appears in one story in Doyle's books out of 56 short stories and four novels. She's in Scandal and Bohemia, and that's it. You never see her again. So this idea of working up a love interest, I understand probably why they do it. Um, just to try to take a look similar to uh, poor Batman and Robin in the fifties. But uh, I think it's that same idea. Uh, they've got to have a, a female love interest. That way nobody's questioning Holmes and Watson, I think. So. Well, well, I think another another thing, too, is is that for a modern story, um, it's not to have this many male characters and so few female characters. I mean, a lot yeah. of people don't want that. that well, that'll be a knock on a, on a movie or a TV show. So I think it's a way to make to sort of balance the cast out. Yeah. I, th I think that, that's a real temptation there, too. But, you know, Jamie, I think another place that maybe messes you up but with Adler's character in this movie is she is basically the through line to get you to the sequel. She yeah. really doesn't have a whole lot to do with this movie other than to introduce Moriarty, you know, this Napoleon of crime, and then lead us until the second movie where we get, you know, finally get Moriarty. So... Well, I think see, I think the thing that bugs me is that in the in the in the stories, and because she she is mentioned after her appearance mm -hmm. um, a, a few times, she's this presence that's kind of mystified Holmes, um, and it's kind of in the back of his mind. And she's this one one person who could outwit him, who outdid him, and also kind of has this hold on him. And for for them to be this close and to have this kind of long lasting relationship, I just feel like that. I don't know. It's like it doesn't work. That, that 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 change that adaptation doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. All right, Dwayne, what you got, man? I'm sorry, we, we're droning on here. Oh no, that's that's uh, that's cool. Um, and I I took this, you know, the best adaptation, worst adaptation. I you know went through my experience with you know what had been translated from book to screen. So you know, not seeing many of the uh, adaptations. You know, this one was probably my worst <laughs> experience with. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, just uh, so we'll just go there. But you know, some some uh, not being the worst, probably the best thing. You know, maybe not in this movie. I don't know if it could have helped or not. But maybe a presence that could have redeemed a bit would have been Keanu Reeves. So does this movie connect to Keanu in any way? Well, I I despaired. Briefly, <laughs> there are a lot of people in this movie who've never worked across the pond. Um, there's a lot of British people in this movie who just stay on that island. I was uh, noticing that too, looking for a kid. Yeah. I, was, I was like, wow, this is going to have to be a. <laughs> yeah, um, there is not, and I went to obscure characters in this movie. Every single actor who's on IMDb, I, I tried. Um, none of them have worked with Keanu. Um, <laughs> this movie has six credited writers. None of them have worked with Keanu. <laughs> wow. um, I think there are like eight or nine producers. And that's where we struck gold, Bill. There's a producer on this movie 
who is one of the few non-English um, people. Um, I'm not sure the right term there. I guess Brit, you would say. He's one of the few non-Brits who were involved in the like the higher-ups of making this movie. And he is action movie royalty. Um, maybe not highbrow <laughs> movie royalty. Um, this is so a Guy Ritchie movie. It, well, okay. That's granted. <laughs> That lands. I can't. I can't argue with you. Um, so, he, so here's this producer. Here are the his four most um, most well known four items. You always have those four at the front of the IMDb page. Things are most known for. Here are his four: Hudson Hawk. Okay. And for me, unlike most people, <laughs> that's a positive. Um, Book of Eli, Roadhouse, and Predator. Nice. Kind of a diverse little group there. Um, but most importantly, for our purposes. Joel Silver was the producer of everything with Matrix in the title, yeah. even animation and video games. Joel Silver yeah. produced all of it. And Joel Silver is our Keanu connection. All right. Nice, nice connection there. And uh, speaking of, you know, who could have been or should have been, uh, I love IMDb's uh, X-Ray. Not IMDb's, uh, but Amazon, uh, the okay. Prime X-ray when it comes up on the side. Did you know that Brad Pitt was considered for Moriarty? Hmm. That would have been very interesting. <laughs> that could work in the Guy Ritchie version of Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, yeah, yeah entirely. <laughs> entirely. Well, that's one of his guys. I mean, he was in Snatch. I think I think he's been in another Guy Ritchie movie. He likes to reuse actors. Oh yeah, I noticed that. I noticed that with the IMDb through this. Yeah. Lots of lots of guys. Okay, gentlemen. So, do we have anything to keep it one hundred? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Who wants to go first? Who's locked and loaded? Well, I've got my timer ready. So, whoever wants to go can go. Sammy, how about you go first? All right, I will go first then. Um, so, and we will start. Um, so, I'm going to stay across the pond uh, for my Keep It at 100, and I'm going to suggest the Netflix BBC co-production of Dracula by Stephen Moffat and Mark Gatiss, uh, who definitely bring a, an interesting and fun take on this Bram Stoker tale. Uh, if you are a fan of Dracula and these stories, you're going to see numerous homages to everything from Gary Oldman to Christopher Lee, oh, but it also gets a fresh perspective. It's broken into three episodes, uh, very much a three-act play, and the third act is a twist. That's the most interesting twist and hmm. di difference in this story. Uh, Klaus Bong plays the count, the count, and he is fantastic. Uh, he balances that subtle nature of the vampire along with a ferocity that sh is characteristic of an immortal hunger. So uh, he plays this real well. All the characters are great in this. So I would just, like I said, bear with the third act. It's different, but it's interesting. So uh, the Netflix BBC original Dracula is my keeping it 100. Yeah, I saw that and was intrigued by it. Yeah, that's been high on my Netflix suggestions list. Um, and yep. uh, yeah, I thought about taking a dive into that. So yeah, first two episodes, you know, very classic Dracula. Okay. 
third takes that twist. And that's to me what, what makes it Stephen Moffat and Mark Gatiss type of, of writing and work. So, which are the same guys that brought us Benedict Cumberbatch's Sherlock. So, oh, so tie in, eh? <laughs> yes. And speaking of guys who reuse actors, there's some recognizable faces in that trailer I saw. Uh, very much so. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, Dwayne, do you want to go next or do you want me to go? Um, I can go. I've got mine ready if, uh, if you're okay. Okay. All righty. Well, this, uh, I think last week we had the announcement from the rock band Rush that uh, their drummer, Neil Peart, had passed away. Uh, I want to bring to my Keeping It 100 uh, recommendations here, keeping it on brand with me with music, uh, the rock band Rush. Uh, most famously, their song Tom Sawyer, Limelight, Free Will. These guys are prog rock, but for the masses, truly. Uh, they're very accessible, very musical, not at all snobby. Three of the nicest guys you'll ever want to hear in interviews. Even though Neil didn't do interviews, you'll have a lot with Alex Lifeson and Getty Lee. And guys, if you're worried about getting into Rush as far as like being a, a you know just a, a narrow genre, um, Hutch in the movie Fanboys says, when posed with the question of his seat is of his cassette case only having rush cassettes in he said there's no variety he says rush is variety so uh just like to mention and honor the rock band rush there yeah they're they're not my cup of tea but man i recognize the talent i mean those guys are incredibly talented musicians yeah and and neil Peart, you know he, he was a very private uh, gentleman uh, died of brain cancer and he was their sole lyricist. Uh, Getty Lee, the bassist, keyboardist, Alex Lifeson, guitars and keyboards, you know, they would write the music, he would write the music with them, and then he would go and pin out lyrics uh, for Getty, Getty Lee to sing every album, top to bottom. So, and there, yeah. There's a big Rush connection in Ready Player One, isn't there? Oh, yeah, Tom Sawyer's all over. I was so. going to say. Yeah, I remember something in the back of my head about that. So. Yeah. All right, guys. I'm ready if you all are. Okay. All right, sir. All right. Um, so my keeping one here this week is the movie Thor, um, the first one. Um, me and my um, youngest daughter have been going through a slow rewatch of the, of the entire MCU, and we got to Thor. I was dreading Thor. I almost skipped Thor. Um, I've always said it's the worst movie in the MCU. I never wanted to watch it again. I thought it was deeply flawed. Um, so we watched it this week. And what was I on? <laughs> <laughs> that movie's a ton of fun. Um, I, I found it charming this time. I don't. Maybe I'm just more older and more relaxed. I don't know. But like, maybe I'm less snobby than I used to be. I, I don't know. <laughs> but, um, I, just, I had a blast with it. I found it really charming. Hemsworth just oozes out of every pore. Um, in that movie. Um, I'd forgotten how important Loki was and how good that actor is right off the bat. Mm -hmm. um, there are some plot hiccups. I'm still a little snobby. There's a few little things where I was like, uh, come on, guys. And there is some goofy stuff in Asgard. But this movie was really fun. And I, I just want to recommend, if, if I mean, we're a lot, a lot of years down the road from these early MCU movies now. 
give Thor another look. I reckon, especially, especially if you're like me, that were, you know, too big for our britches and thought Thor wasn't any good. <laughs> it's worth another look. <laughs> give Thor a chance. And that's my key thing at 100. All that we're saying. I was thinking the same thing. Oh, I agree. Oh. Enjoy the first Thor movie. It's not high cinema, but it's a comic book movie. Um, and you know the 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 Thor makeup, the blonde eyebrows, I think, are a bit much. Uh, it, you know, he and the kinda, wig, the wig, quite well. They're still doing the wig thing. They haven't let him grow his hair out yet. Figuring out the yeah. look. I mean, it's a, that's a hard adaptation, but I mean, Hemsworth really. I think that was the role he was born to play. Well, you know, everybody talked about with Ragnarok and the humor that they brought into that, but that's something that's been part of that franchise from the beginning. Yeah. I mean, fish out of water. I mean, yeah. Jane hits him two different times with the fan. <laughs> you know, I mean, honestly. <laughs> and I love when he's in the hospital with the gown strapped to the bed and he rips himself off and he goes, he's going, I'm the god of it. And I give it <laughs> you know, yeah. just slap down the glass. Yeah. Oh, well, when he's out with uh, with the professor, you know. Oh, and, yeah. You know, I mean, this is, Yeah. And he throws the cup on the ground. Another. Yeah. I mean, there's just, there's so much humor in in those movies. It's way better than I remembered. Oh, yeah. It's a ton of fun. It's a ton of fun. And, you know, Tom Hiddleston, I mean, how great is he? As Loki. And 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 the first one directed by Kenneth Branagh. I mean, how can you go wrong? See, but but in my memory, that Hiddleston didn't really figure out Loki until The Avengers. Yeah. Um, but that's wrong. He had this guy from the word go. Yeah. I mean, it was perfect. Um, speaking of perfect, I'm not sure. I'm trying to segue here, guys. Um, <laughs> on our next review episode, we're going to be reviewing. Dwayne, what are we reviewing? We are reviewing Tom Cruise, Live, Die, Repeat. Uh, hold up. I thought we were doing Edge of Tomorrow. <laughs> Live, Die, Repeat. Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, so if you're oh, looking for okay. titles, uh, they couldn't quite figure out it. It was uh, initially sold as Edge of Tomorrow. Nobody knew what the, nobody knew what kind of movie this was. So it kind of take took the monitor the moniker of uh, Live Die Repeat. So uh, this is going to be our Groundhog Day episode this year. Um, and that'll make the, sense if you watch the movie. You've watched it, or when you watch it. Yeah, that's right. Yep. So. Uh, and we and we do recommend watching this one highly. I think it'll really help the episode. It'll make sense the things we say if you've seen this movie. If you don't watch the movie, I don't think our review will make any sense. No sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of things that make sense or don't make sense, sometimes uh, our uh, Facebook gets pretty wacky and (laughs) we have a lot of interaction there lots of uh, different posts from lots of people so please guys uh, follow us there on on facebook because we're most active we also have an instagram uh, that we hit up when new episodes drop mainly we haven't got a lot of traffic there so we really don't mind that one a whole lot but you know just just follow along and and play along with us and you'll see some fun memes maybe drop one yourself yeah, and if you've got an extra minute um, when you're downloading the episode, um, shoot us a uh, review on uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, five stars, please. 
If it's not five stars, we also have an email address, roundtablenerds at gmail.com. Um, any negative comments go there. They don't go on Apple. <laughs> and do remember, those of you that give us those five-star comments could be part of our Nerd Alert segment. So have your name shouted out on this podcast. So to be a part of the Nerd Alert, to be a member of our Facebook group, to really get into these episodes. Jamie, what do we do? We keep it nerdy. Nerdy.